Well, welcome. Welcome to week one of our brand new series, Note to Self, A Journey to God's Best. So if you're just stepping in for the first time, man, you made it to a gray day, beginning of the series, Note to Self, A Journey to God's Best. If you're just stepping in or you're just checking us out online, my name is Alex. I'm one of the pastors. We're thrilled that you've joined us, whether it's here in person, whether you're following us on our Facebook page, our YouTube channel. Welcome, welcome, welcome. I'm super looking forward to getting into God's Word with you guys. If you have your Bibles, turn to Galatians chapter 3, verses 1 through 7. We're going to be in the book of Galatians chapter 3, verses 1 through 7. Now, as we begin, as you turn your your Bibles there, I want to ask you three questions, okay? And they're all like yes or no answers, so you don't have to, it's not like a really difficult, it's a little bit, a little bit of a self-evaluating test, but it's not very difficult. As long as you're honest, this is going to work, okay? If you're, if you're not honest with yourself, it's not going to work, okay? So three questions as we begin, you're turning to Galatians chapter 3, Yes or no answer. So here's the first one. Do you ever feel guilty about not doing enough for the Lord? And the word is guilty. Do you ever, you don't have to say it out loud. Okay. And I can, I can, I can almost see your faces. Like I'm already connected. Like, yep, 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 yep. And, uh, do you ever feel guilty about not doing enough for the Lord. Like, you ever feel like, man, I just don't feel like I pray enough. I don't feel like I serve enough. I don't feel like I give enough. I'm not generous enough. Um, if you ever feel guilty, just answer that question, yes or no. Number two, here's the second one. Do you ever feel dissatisfied or discontent with you, where you are spiritually speaking? All right, so that the key word there is discontent or dissatisfied. Do you ever feel like, man, I do this, but it's just, I don't just feel like it's enough. Like I'm, I'm a Jesus follower and, but I have questions or I have doubts or I worry more than I should. And God has done so much for me or, you know, like my attendance at church sometimes is sporadic. Or you, you, you may be watching online and you may like, you may be like, you know, I'm, I'm skipping on church. I'm not in, I'm, I'm watching, but I'm not in person. And you feel a little bit like you feel like you're not enough. You feel dissatisfied. So yes or no answer. Do you ever feel dissatisfied, discontent with where you're at? And here's the last one. Last question. Do you ever find yourself using phrases like, I have to, or I must, or like, man, I, like, I have to, I, I ought to be doing this, or I should be doing that. And maybe there, it's a phrase that comes out of like a little bit of frustration, like you haven't been doing enough, your effort is not enough. And then, then you mix it with a little bit of shame, a little bit of guilt. So if your answer is yes to any of those, then I'm so glad that you're here because we're going to talk about a subject. We're going to talk about perfectionism. Okay. Now I want, I'm going to put the, Sort of my own definition of what I, what I'm talking about, just so that we're all on the same page. So can we put it up there? When I'm, when I use the word perfectionism, when I, when I, when I'm talking, it's kind of related to the word legalism, and, uh, we'll, I'll define that in a minute. But here's what I'm talking about, okay? Anytime that I mention the word perfectionist, and you feel like, man, yeah, I'm a perfectionist, or I, you know, I struggle with legalism, here's kind of where I'm going. Perfectionism is when you try to prove your own worth, you try to prove your own worth by how good 
your works are, or how good your deeds are. So you should, this is usually what happens when you give your life to Christ. Jesus gives you the promise of heaven, right? Like, like you know that like when you receive, like you hear the gospel, you receive Christ in your heart, you know immediately like Christ is going to give you the promise of heaven. Like he gives you the promise of the Holy Spirit. The Bible talks about that. We'll see it here in a minute in the book of Galatians. We'll see that. One of the first few things as you begin your journey of faith in Christ is that you receive not just the promise of heaven, but you receive the promise of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit leads you, guides you, and whatnot. And then you get the, you receive the promise. He gives you the promise of unlimited forgiveness. And man, God knows that I need that. But, but here's, at the same time as you're, as you're receiving this, like you're giving your life to Christ, you're beginning a journey, immediately, what, and this is what happens to me, okay, maybe it's just me, maybe not, not you, but what happens to a lot of people, I think, is we begin to think, okay, all of this is free. I mean, that forgiveness alone, right? Like, you can live your life guilt-free. The Bible says there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ. That alone is going to be like, yes, I can, I can use that a little bit. And so if you're like me, you're thinking, okay, you know, like there's nothing free in life, right? Like this is the way, this is too good to be true. Like where, where is, you know, what are you trying to sell me? Where's the hook? Where are you trying to get me? And for, for a lot of us, if you're like me, for a lot of, a lot of us, we think like this is just, it's too good to be true. I got to help God out a little bit. And so you begin this journey and you receive the promise of heaven the promise that Christ gives you of the Holy Spirit to lead you, you receive the, the promise of un, unlimited forgiveness, but you're thinking it's too good to be true. I got to figure something out. And uh, we fall into one of two traps. One is legalism, which legalism, it's not on the screen, but I want to define it for you, is basically trying to earn God's approval through rules. A lot of churches go there all the time, right? To, to make, to make you feel better. So if I check that box, you know, I tithe, I attended, I served, check, check, check. Now I feel good about myself. And it's a, it's not, it's not good. It's not a healthy way to, to walk as far as your journey of faith. That's one trap. The other trap is for the, the what I'm talking about today, perfectionism, where you're trying to do good. You want your life to, your good deeds to outweigh the bad deeds, and you're trying to do good, your good works, you want them to be good enough so that you can prove your worth. There is an entire book of the Bible about this. You know, Pastor Nicholas, the other day, he called it a, you know, he said the Bible is basically a bunch of letters. They're love letters, right? A few weeks ago, he he used that terminology. I love it. It's true. A bunch of love letters. There's a whole letter. There's a whole book, the book of Galatians, that is dedicated to this one topic. You know why? Why do you think? Why do you think that God wrote a whole book dedicated to legalism, perfectionism? I'll tell you why. Because you're not the only one that struggles with it. Like all of us, at some point, we feel like, man, I feel guilty. Like I'm not doing enough. I haven't been to church enough. And maybe you're just stepping in for the first time. And it's been a couple of weeks or it's been a month or it's been a year. And it's like, wow, you know. And then you, instead of, instead of celebrating the win, you go, the enemy kind of reminds you of, of where you, where you're at fault, where you're not enough. And so I want to, I want to begin in Galatians chapter three. And I want you to see what God says to all of us about this whole idea of being a perfectionist, legalism, 
It says this, chapter 3, verse 1. Let's put it on the screen. It says this, Oh, foolish Galatians. Now, I, I was reading this, and I thought, man, that's kind of rough, you know? Like, imagine if, if I began today, and instead of saying, welcome, imagine if, if, I, if I looked at you and I said, oh, you foolish, foolish church. You know, I'd say we'd lose kind of half of our people, right? You stupid people. You idiots, right? Like, oh man, what are, what are you doing? That's how Paul begins. And I'll tell you why. He's kind of shaking him up a little bit. He's trying to kind of like waking him up a little bit. Now, you may think that, so this word foolish is not necessarily talking about their intelligence. He's not really calling them stupid, okay? He's not, he's not degrading the, their intelligence. The word foolish is talking about their lack of wisdom. There's a difference. You can know, I mean, you can know the Bible like inside and out. You can be like the most knowledgeable person as far as the, what the content that's found in the Bible and still not be someone that's a wise person. Totally different. It's knowledge versus wisdom. Two separate things. Would you agree with me? Yeah. Yeah. Two separate things. And so Paul is saying, look, it's not that you lack intelligence. What you lack is wisdom. Now watch this. Oh, foolish Galatians. Who has who has tricked you? For the meaning of Jesus Christ's death was made as clear to you as if you had seen a picture of his death on the cross. In other words, we've painted a picture of what Christ did. You know, last week it was Easter. We had two packed services. A lot of people that, you know, usually don't come to church. I gave the, I gave a, a gospel presentation and I tried to make it as clear as I could. Paul had done the same thing. He said, I've, I've given you the gospel. I've preached to you Jesus Christ and I've done it as clear as I can, as I mean, as clear as you've seen it as a picture, like as clear as I can be. I painted a clear picture. Now look in verse two. Let me ask you this one thing. Let me ask you this one question. Did you receive the Holy Spirit? There it is. Remember I told you, first thing you receive when you give your life to Christ is what? The Holy Spirit. It's the first thing that God gives you. And you don't get a junior-sized Holy Spirit. You get the full thing. Same thing, that, same spirit that Pastor Alex has, the same spirit that, that any of our leaders at this church has. Like, that, you get that, okay? You get the full thing. And so Paul says, did you receive the Holy Spirit by obeying the law of Moses? And the answer is what? No, of course not. You received the Spirit because you, help me out, you received the Spirit because you what? Say it, because you what? Believed. It wasn't that you were following a bunch of rules. It wasn't that you were, you know, your good deeds outweighed your bad deeds. No, no. It's simply, it's, it was just a faith. It was a belief that you had. When you heard the gospel, you believed. Did you receive the Holy Spirit by obeying the law of Moses? Of course not. You received the Spirit because you believed the message you heard about Christ. Now, let me give you a little bit of a background. So, this, Paul is writing to the Galatians. The Galatians were being influenced by a group of people called the Judaizers. The Judaizers believed that the work of Christ, the work of the cross, was just not enough. That you had to do more. It was that plus. It kind of reminds me of our theme 
in four weeks, uh, we're going to have an incredible uh, weekend here at LifePoint. Um, and the theme is going to be enough. So it's a day right before Mother's Day. We're going to have a banquet and for uh, our ladies. And our goal is to empower women of all ages. And the theme is enough because this world tells us that we're not enough. Sometimes we tell ourselves that we're not enough. So you don't want to miss it. The banquet is going to be on Saturday, the day right before Mother's Day. There's limited space. Uh, all ladies invited to that. We're going to have a guest speaker, Amanda Clark. You don't want to miss it. She'll speak to us on Sunday as well for Mother's Day. We're going to celebrate moms. We're going to have baby dedication. We're going to empower women of all ages. You don't want to miss that week. But one thing that... That's that weekend, but one thing that amazes me is Jesus, 2,000 years ago, gave voice to women in a culture where women, women were silenced. He was so ahead of his time. And so that's why uh, I'm just putting a little plug four weeks from now, enough. Ladies banquet, don't miss it. And there's, there's going to be that Sunday Mother's Day we're going to celebrate uh, with all ladies. And I want, I want women of all ages. I want my daughters, you know, 13, 15, to feel like they're empowered to live for Jesus Christ. So, going back to the verse. He says, how foolish, verse 3, how foolish can you be? He's talking to the Galatians. They're being influenced by this group of the Judaizers who are saying the work of the cross is not enough. It's not enough for salvation. It's not enough to keep the, you got to keep the law of Moses. He says, after starting your new lives in the spirit, here it is. Why are you trying to become, and here's our word, perfect by your own human effort? And it's the same question that I, if, if, if you don't, if you let me, I, I want to ask you in humility. Why are you trying to become perfect by your own human effort? Because I, I guarantee you that, and I didn't ask you to raise your hand, but I guarantee you all of us at some point we have checked that box. You know, the three questions. I, I guarantee you most of us we've said, yep, felt guilty, been there, done that, felt the shame, been there, I've gotten the label. And Paul is telling him, listen, Jesus came and he changed things. It's a different game right now. How foolish can you be? After starting your new lives, why are you trying to become perfect by your own human effort? And this is why I wore the t-shirt. No perfect people allowed. My wife wore it too. She's actually serving in kits. I asked her earlier, is it weird if I, because she was wearing it, it's like, oh no, I want to wear this shirt because of the message. I want to wear that t-shirt. And I was like, is it weird if we, if we both wear the same t-shirt to, to church? It's like, yeah, <laughs> I still wore it. And then I took a selfie of us and it's like, hey, you know, is it weird to wear the same t-shirt to church? It's okay. We embrace weird at LifePoint. It's all good. You know, I'll be the first to admit. You sign me up. I'm, I don't care. Call me weird. Call me whatever you want to call me. But here's what I, here's the reason why I'm trying to say this. Well, I wore the t-shirt just as an example. Look like, like no perfect. Yeah, my name. You can put it on the dotted line. And so it's ludicrous for Paul because what they're trying to do, the notion that fallen, weak, sinful people, put my name there, could actually improve on the work of the cross. 
It just didn't make sense to Paul. Verse 4, he says, Have you experienced so much for nothing? Surely it wasn't in vain, was it? Verse 5, I ask you again for emphasis. Like he's doing it multiple times. He's using the word foolish a couple of times. He's asking the question a couple of times. He says, let me ask you again. Does God give you the Holy Spirit and work miracles among you because you obey the law? Of course not. It's because you believe the message. There's our word one more time. Because you believe the message you heard about Christ. So the title of our, our message today, let's put it on the screen. Title for today is this, Perfection, Not a Standard, It's an Obstacle. Now I want us all to say it, okay? Whether you're here in person or you're following us online, I want us all to repeat on the count of three. I want us to, to use that because I want you to retain it this week. I want, if there's one thing that I want you to keep for this week that I want to help you with is to remember that statement. Okay, we all say it on the count of three. Let's all say it together. Ready? One, two, three. Perfection is not a standard. It's an obstacle. It's an obstacle. It's not a standard. I know a lot of churches don't say that. This is not the popular thing. This is not the popular thing preachers can preach, right? Because a lot of times you get people that try to manipulate you a little bit. That's what religion is, right? Religion binds you. And you may be watching from home, and you may be feeling a little bit guilty. Oh, I'm not in person. Listen, you can worship God from home. You can worship Him here in person. Now, I love to see you. That's just a human thing, man. If you're you're going to tell me stay home or come to church, man, I love to hug you. I love to be, you know, see you face to face. So I love this, okay. But please don't feel guilty. Don't feel guilty. You can worship God. Some of the best worship I've ever had is just away from other people and just me and the Lord. And so perfection is not a standard, it's an obstacle. In the whole book of Galatians, what God is saying is when you try to earn God's smile on your life, when you try to earn God's pat on the back by human effort, when you try to earn his approval by what you have done and not what he has done he's saying it's a pretty dumb thing it's a pretty foolish thing it's not very wise don't do it do not try to prove your worth by your good deeds it just doesn't it's not good for you this this is what god his love letter is telling you so legalism legalism is trying to earn god's approval through human rules doesn't work you read, you can read the whole book if you want to do it. It's a great exercise. Perfectionism, trying to prove my worth by how good my works are, does not work. So the question that I have for, for you and I this morning is this. How do I break myself free from this kind of behavior? Because I've been where you are. Just minutes ago. You know, you preach the first service, and if it goes well, you know what the enemy says? If it, if it goes well, it's like, okay, man, I don't know if I can do it again. And in that, in the middle of that song, Ignacio, I don't know if that happens to you, but you're, you, you do a good first set, you know, first service goes great, and then immediately you're like, man, can we do this again? And that's how the enemy works. Lord, can I, can I bring it? Can I bring the same passion and the same, can I bring the, can I, the same message, the same intensity? And the enemy's speaking lies into, no, you can't, you're gonna do it, you're gonna mess it up, you're gonna do this, you're gonna do that. That's what the enemy does. And so how do I break free from the behavior? The, it, how do I break out of the performance trap? 
performance trap? How do I break out of the prison of perfectionism and legalism? Three thoughts and we'll be done real quick. First one, Leah actually, uh, she's, she's saying this to our kids this week. And I told her, that's my first. You got to recognize that nobody's perfect. You're not perfect. Your mom is not perfect. Your dad's not perfect. Your husband is not perfect. Any amens? No? Okay. <laughs> your wife is not perfect. Husbands, do not say amen. Um, you know, your kids are not perfect. Your grandparents are not perfect. That person you look up to, they're not perfect. Nobody's perfect. You're not perfect. You're not perfect. In fact, there's a verse. It's not on the screen, but if you're taking notes, write it down. It's in Psalm 119, verse 96. Psalm 119, 96. Great verse. It says this. Even perfection has its limits. And so much wisdom in God's word. Even perfection has its limits. And it says, but your commands have no limits. Another translation, nothing is perfect except for your word, for your word, God's word. And so there's, you're not perfect. You got to recognize you're not perfect. They're not perfect. And so this is why I always encourage you, build your life on God's word. Build your life on, like if you build it on people, they're going to disappoint you. They're going to betray you. I promise you. You live for any period of time. And some of you, you're not in because I'm saying something you, you don't need me to say that. You, you've been there, right? If, if you build your life on things, they fade. They fade away. They don't last. You build your life on circumstances. Man, you're the type of person that your happiness is linked to how your circumstances are. Let me tell you, don't build your happiness on your circumstances because they change. And so build your life on something that doesn't change. And you may not believe in the Bible, but one thing that we can both agree, it was written a while back and the thing hasn't changed. And if you can't think that the message today is practical, man, like we will, I'd love to have a conversation with you because I don't know that there's anything more practical than what we're talking about today. So build it on something that's perfect. Nothing on planet earth is perfect. Um, Last year with COVID and all of that, and I'm not trying to make a political statement, but what popular opinion tells us is not perfect. What the scientists have said over the last year not perfect what you have learned growing up not always perfect the traditions that you may have not always perfect so let me let you in on a little secret when you try to live your life ready for this when you try to when you rely on your own human efforts and your own little perfection you're actually going to slow down spiritually speaking in fact, earlier, I love when this happens earlier during our volunteer rally, our, our, our leader, greeting team leader, said this. She was leading the volunteer rally today. She said, if you're not struggling, you're not moving forward because we have a Savior who steps in when we are struggling. So if you think everything's good... You know, like you're not moving forward. It's when we're struggling and it's when we're wrestling. It doesn't make sense, right? It's a kind of an oxymoron statement, right? Like if I, if I try like my human effort, then I'm so, it's slowing down. Let me illustrate it like this. Have you ever, have you ever wanted to do something like a project? Like you wanted to get started on, uh, I don't know, something and it just, you know, it just, you could not get it off the ground, 
Has that ever happened to you? Like you, you're wanting to do something. It was a, it was a good thing, certain project or whatever. It was the right thing to do. And it just maybe a week, a month went by and nothing. Maybe a year went by and it's like, man, I've been really wanting to do this and I just cannot get around to it. Has that ever happened to you? Like you're, you, you say something like, I'm just waiting for the right time. Like I, I'm just waiting for the right opportunity. I'm, wa- I'm waiting for the, the right circumstances. I'm waiting for the, the right, I just want to do it the right way. And you're just waiting, and you're waiting, and you're waiting, and you're like, man, I'm, I'm, we just need to save a little bit more money until we can have kids. We're just waiting for the perfect opportunity. I'm just waiting for the kids to grow up, or the kids to get out of school. Then we'll do it. I'm just waiting for a certain amount of money to come in, or I'm waiting, you know, like I, things have to be, you know, aligned a certain way. And then, you know what the Bible says? This is funny. Let's put it up on the screen. Ecclesiastes. This is what it says from NIV. Whoever watches the wind, okay, will not plant. Whoever watches the wind will not plant. Whoever looks at the clouds will not reap. Let's put it from the, let's put it from the uh, New Living Translation. A little bit different translation, but same, same idea. Farmers who wait for perfect weather never what? Help me out. Never what? Never plant. You're waiting for the perfect occasion. You're waiting for the perfect moment. You know, you're waiting for the perfect weather. Never plant. If they watch every cloud, they never harvest. In other words, what God is saying, if you're always waiting for the perfect conditions, if you always have to be perfect, you'll never get anything done because there's always struggles. There's always obstacles along the way. And so Paul is saying... Do not rely on your human effort. Do not, like, no one is perfect. Galatians 3, 3. Why are you now trying to become perfect by your own human effort? It actually will slow you down, spiritually speaking. So let's put it on the screen. Perfection is not a standard. Help me out, church. It is a what? It's an obstacle. It's not a standard. So the, the whole name of the series is Note to Self. You need to write yourself a sticky note and put it on your, on your bathroom mirror, put it in your car, write it down. Perfection is not a standard. It's not a standard. It's actually an obstacle. It actually slows you down. Here's the second thought. So number one, recognize nobody's perfect. Second thought, enjoy God's love. Some of you, you have such a hard time enjoying God's love. And I don't know if it's your past. I don't know if it's the way your parents dealt with you. I don't know if it was abuse. I don't know if it was a relationship that you always, it was always conditional. You, you, and you had to perform and you have to measure up. And, and I don't know, but so many of us, we don't understand what really receiving and accepting and really enjoying God's love for us. Let's put the verse, 1 John 3, 1. How great is the love the Father has lavished on us. Love that word, lavished. That we should be called the children of God, and that is what we are. How, I mean, it's just, it's just, this word, I love this word. Let me kind of explain kind of illustrate it like this. Um, 
and I don't know if you've done this, if you have kids, when my kids were younger, I, they'd love to have like bubble, bubble baths, okay? And like I would go and I'd get like the biggest bottle of, you know, bubbles. And, you know, the instructions always tell you like you only need to put just a little bit, like a, a cap full in the, you know, in the bathtub. And then, and then the, you turn on the jets and then, you know, it creates the bubbles. And my, they love that. But I think, I think I love that a little bit more. And any time they got in the bathtub, you know, you think I would put just a little cap full of bubbles? No. I was just like, man, we're going to have a great time today. And I pour that bottle. It's like, is that enough? It's about half. Nah, let's just go a little bit. And usually I could only use it like once or twice because I put the whole thing on the, and I turned on the jets and there were bubbles everywhere. And I had to clean up, you know, of the mess. That's the word behind lavish. How great the love is the love the father has lavished on us that we should be called the children of god his love is overwhelming it is unconditional it is unlimited it is unfathomable like like we yeah i know i i get it like when we give our life to christ we're supposed to serve him you know we're servants of of christ and yeah we do that because because he's done so much for us but I, god never calls you a servant do you know that Paul is the one that does that. Paul says, you're a servant. We are servants. And yeah, we do that. But God calls you his child. You're royalty. You're a child of the king. There's a difference between the two. A servant is accepted and appreciated on the basis of what he does. A child is accepted and appreciated on the basis of who he is. A servant starts the day anxious and worried whether his work is going to please his master. A child can rest secure in the love of his family. A servant is accepted because of his productivity and his performance. A child is accepted because of his position in the family. At the end of the day, the servant may have peace of mind because, man, he put in a hard days of work. And he can prove himself, and his worth comes from that. But the next morning, anxiety kicks in again, because he's going to have to do it all over again. A child knows that tomorrow doesn't matter what brings. His position, his status doesn't change. And so if you're a parent, you understand this. You don't love your kids because of what they do for you, right? You know, I love my kids. I love them with everything I got. I do anything for my kids. I don't love them because of what they do. And they're great kids, and I'm proud of them, every single one of them. But at the end of the day, it's not what and I was telling Katie the other day. You know, um, I said, I want to I spoil you, Katie. I want to love on you. And, um, and I said, I said You're, you make it easy for us to love on you, you know. And said, like, we're supposed to love you. We're not supposed to like you, you know. And she kind of laughed. But we love our kids because of who they are, not what they do for us. I remember when the kids were younger, they would, for like Father's Day or whatever, Mother's Day, sometimes they would bring, like either in Sunday school or school, they would do a painting or a drawing, you know, like Happy Father's Day, and they'd bring it to us, or a little craft, you remember those days? And, you know, they would bring it, and it was so funny because 
you know, the little thing, especially when they were younger, it was a little bit messy, right? Like their, their coloring was like all over the place and their handwriting, you could barely, it's like, what is this? You know, you could barely understand what, what it says, you know, it's upside down and, and the craft they would bring you if they made you a little craft, you know, like the thing was like falling apart and you're like, yeah, I gotta breathe sideways because if I breathe on the thing, it's gonna collapse, you know? And I remember they would bring me this and they were so happy and, and, and I would say, it's beautiful. And I look at it, it's like, wow, it's so good. I wouldn't, I wouldn't say like, uh, you actually went off the margins of the, of the lines right here. Go back, you know, your handwriting, you need to improve on that, right? You misspelled that word, right? That's like, hey, go back and take that craft back. Cause, I mean, that was a, that was a mess. That would be cruel. You, you receive that and you say, it's perfect. It's perfect. When God looks at you, as screwed up as you are, and I can say that because I'll, I'll put my name on that line, with your baggage, with your divorce, with your addictions, with your, if you fill in the blank, right? God looks at you and he says, it's beautiful. You're perfect. Now, Bible says, what about the verse? What about the verse that says, be perfect as I am perfect? Are you not supposed to try? Yeah, but that's based on Jesus' perfection. Do you think Jesus, when he says, be perfect as I am perfect, he was saying that to, so that you and I could try in our own human spirit, try to be perfect? No, he knows we can never be perfect. We can only be perfect when we receive his grace. It's his grace that covers the rest. And when we try, when we serve, and we love, and we tithe, and we do all of those things, we do it out of love. Man, you've done so much for me God how could I not how could I not go after people how could I know you ran after me for years God let me run after that person for a day or two or a month or a year if I have to run after them for 10 years you came after me and so God it's your grace I am coming like I'm I'm in, in coming into your perfection like like it's not my perfection it's your perfection Amen. Yeah. yeah let's give it up man let's put our hands together I love that Bible says, Bible says this, Hebrews 12, 15, be careful that no one fails to receive God's grace. It's so easy. Sometimes you get wrapped up in church for a while and you check all the boxes, tithing, service, attendance, I did this, I did that, and you feel good about yourself. And then you look at somebody else who's not where you are and you feel like you're a spiritual leader now because you've been, you know, you got perfect attendance and you look at them and you don't offer them grace. But the truth is just a few months or years, you were just as screwed up as they were. And who knows, maybe even more now because you're thinking that your boxes are what makes you good. And God says, be careful that no one fails to receive Anybody that comes into your circle of influence, careful. Be careful that no one fails to receive God's grace. And that's you included. Because the truth is sometimes you're the first person that runs and goes after human effort rather than after God's grace. Be careful, be careful, be careful. Perfection, not a standard. Right? Not a standard. It's what? Help me, help me. Perfection, what is it? It's an obstacle. 
So put it on your little sticky note. Remind yourself when you feel less than, when you're like, man, I, do, I didn't do, I have people all the time the other day, man, pastor, I haven't been in church for like two months. I lost myself. And I'm like, no, 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 no. You're here today. And that's a win. And the same thing online. You're like, man, I should have been there and I, we couldn't make it and the kids and this and life is hectic. I'm like, there's nothing wrong. You're, you're watching, you're in, you are a part of this. So perfection is not a standard, it's an obstacle. Recognize nobody's perfect. Enjoy God's love. Enjoy it. Receive it. Like, accept it. He gave it to you so that you can enjoy it, so you can take advantage of it. I know it's, it's countercultural. It doesn't make sense. But God does things a little bit different from time to time. And then the last one, I'm going to ask our worship team. You guys get on stage. We're going to wrap things up. I'm past my time. Reject everything else. It's so hard it's so hard because the enemy says, but, and those thoughts come in. I want to challenge you. Reject everything else. It is Jesus plus Jesus plus Jesus. It is not Jesus plus church membership. It is not Jesus plus tithing. It is not Jesus plus serving. It is not Jesus plus anything else. It is only Jesus. It's only Jesus. Reject everything else. I read a verse this week, and it kind of sums up my life. It's not my life verse, but I just read it for the first time this week. And I was like, hey, if you want to know what my life is about, this is it. It's Psalm. And Psalm, can we put it on the screen? This, this is it. You want to sum up my life in just a few words? This is it. He reached down from heaven and rescued me he drew me out of deep waters that's it he reached down from heaven and rescued me he drew me out of deep waters I used to think that God loved me because I was good And now I recognize that he loves me because he is good. And so if you're here today and you feel like, man, I've blown it. I've messed up so bad. I've missed the boat. Pastor Alex, you don't know. It's too far. Like I've gone, you know, I've missed it. I missed God's plan for my life. I want to tell you, you, my friend, you're not that powerful. It is a work of the cross in your life rest on that rest on that I'll close with this can we show the picture so a few months ago actually probably more than more than a few months I can't remember how long ago it's been a while there were some Muslims praying at the airport they were arrested and I was curious why that happened and I, I began to do a little bit of research and I found out if you're a Muslim, if you're a part of that faith, um, you're required, it's a mandatory to pray six times a day. So what you do is you wash your hands, you wash your elbows, you wash your ears, your feet, your face. And six times a day, you sunrise, noon, afternoon, sunset, and night. You bow down, bow down and you worship and you pray. And it's mandatory. And I was reading in this article 
uh, it's a Muslim article, a little bit about it, and it's what it said. It said, it said, um, prayer is the second of the five pillars of Islam. Consider the five pillars like a contract, like an agreement between the Muslim and Allah. If you're a Muslim and you miss prayer for an illegitimate reason, then like if you're going to the movies or you're flying or you're out of town, business trip or business meeting, and you miss that prayer, procrastination or whatever, essentially in that faith, you earn sins and you must make up the prayer in order to fulfill your part of the contract. Now, it says this, and I'm quoting, if a Muslim deliberately deliberately neglects the prayer and never makes it up and never asks for forgiveness and they die in that state then they may very well go to hell and and I read that article and I remember thinking God thank you that in my relationship with you and my faith you don't keep track of things like that that I don't you know if I miss a prayer if I don't, that, like that's none of that is mandatory. And so with heads bowed and eyes closed, wherever you're at, if you're watching from home, I want to encourage you. It's the most important time of the message. The kids are running around. I want you to just gather your family for just a moment. We're almost done. Don't fall asleep. Don't tune me out. This is between you and the Lord. I don't know about you, but it... I was just reflecting. I was just saying, God, thank you, Lord, that you do not nag me. God doesn't nag you. Like, like does that even work, right? Like, does nagging work? Like, when you, you're constantly bugging someone, you know, they may do what you want them to do, but it's never the right way to motivate. It's never the right way to, to encourage someone. It makes people feel defensive. Sometimes the worst nag lives under your skin. You're always saying to yourself, I'm too skinny, I'm too fat, I'm too tall, I'm too short, I'm too coordinated, I'm awkward, I'm late, I'm always uh, never on time, I'm never going to change, I'm, I'm, you know, my life is over, I'm not good at this, I'm dumb, and so on. And you play this tape over and over and over and it's exhausting. And you're, what you're doing is you're trying to nag yourself into perfection. And friend, it doesn't work. So I'm just curious, how many of you would say, Pastor, would you pray for me? I struggle with perfectionism, legalism. Would you raise your hand? If you're online, you can just text the word Jesus to our number. I just want to pray for you. I'm not going to get you up here. We're not going to do any of that. If you struggle with this, man, hands all over the place. Both hands up. Father God, we recognize that your word is may have been written years ago, but it's so practical. And so help us to recognize, Lord, that, that none of us are perfect. There's no such thing as perfection. God, help us to enjoy and receive your love. Just like my kids love those bubble baths, God. Just help us to bathe in your love and your forgiveness, God. And I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's our past. I don't know if it's the way we were brought up. I don't know if it was just performance-based behavior that was just ingrained in us. But God, you love us so much. 
Your love is perfect. If we, being human beings, love our kids, regardless of how they behave, we love them not because of what they do. We just love them because of who they are. How much more will you love us? So help us, God, to enjoy your love. And then may we reject anything else that gets in the way. God, we worship you today. And we thank you. We surrender to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, let's all worship together.